Hello and welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the podcast series from H2 Tech, the hydrogen technology journal from Gulf Energy Information. I'm Adrian Bloom, Editor-in-Chief of H2 Tech and your host for H2 Tech Talk. This week, we'll be talking with Torkild Reinertsen, Chairman and Market Lead for Hydrogen at Reinertsen New Energy and Hydrogen Memtech. Before we get started with the discussion, I'd like to remind you to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast for more expert discussions on technology and trends in the hydrogen sector. It's easy to do, just click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Blueberry. So Torquild, um, first question I'd like to ask you. So in the article you published in the second quarter issue of H2 Tech, you discussed your zero emissions blue hydrogen production technology called HyPro Zero. Can you explain to our audience a little bit about how the technology works and what makes it different from and more competitive compared with other blue hydrogen technologies? Yes, I will uh, try to do that. Thank you. Um, well, it started actually in uh, uh, 2018, uh, 2018, and uh, we set out to find um, a hydrogen production process uh, that would uh, capture a much higher percentage of the CO2 coming in. The thinking was that to play uh, in the market uh, together with the renewable uh, power and CCS, the production of hydrogen from natural gas needs uh, to be emission free or very close to. We proposed a study to Equinor uh, that was carried out uh, actually in uh, 2019. And we selected uh, Johnson Matty uh, as a specialist uh, on autothermal reformers, ATR, and gas heated reformers, uh, GHR. Later then, in, uh, so we did that project and um, we delivered the report at the end of um, uh, 2019. And later in 2020, we started a new internal investigation in Rainer's New Energy, our company, to see if the process plant downstream of the reformer sections could be improved. It's a large plant down there. We found that uh, we could use a completely new setup uh, with uh, where you do the H2 separation uh, with the palladium membrane or a PSA. Uh, we are free there. Uh, we separate out the hydrogen prior to the CO2 separation. And we together, uh, uh, and we're together with the cryogenic uh, separation and some other novelties produce a pure hydrogen and CO2 at the capex 25% lower uh, than, uh, than uh, comparable processes and with a high, uh, very high CO2 capture rate of 98 to 99%. And the process also might uh, be based on uh, HDR only uh, without the GHR, uh, just to mention that. Mm -hmm. So there is some flexibility in this. And we named the, the process Hypro Zero. 
currently we are further optimizing the process hyper zero. Uh, most uh, other process solutions uh, with uh, that has a, a high uh, CO2 capture rate require import of renewable electricity or clean electricity. That's not often mentioned, but that's just a fact. Mm -hmm. And we therefore are soon presenting now options to the high zero process with a 100% emission-free uh, uh, process and a zero power input. Um, uh, of course, that's a trade-off uh, among other parameters, but uh, we want to make it 100% clean and with no need for importing renewable uh, power because mm -hmm. um, we want to make it clean. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's going to be a competition for the renewable power. I'll come back to that later. In all, we have succeeded then to develop a new process for a competitive, large-scale, emission-free production of blue hydrogen, independent of power input. And the process is based on existing technology, mm -hmm. and the facilities can be realized now. You can build these plants now. Uh, of course, it's a big job to build a, such a large uh, world-scale plant, but, um, but it's uh, ready to go. Uh, besides uh, the Hyper Zero, uh, I just want to mention that it could be ideal for clean production of ammonia also. Mm -hmm. The clean hydrogen can be combined with the nitrogen uh, byproduct from the air separation unit in uh, ammonia synthesis. Uh, further, Comparison you ask for uh, between Hyprocero uh, and other, let's say, new candidates uh, in this area uh, for the ultra high CO2 capture would uh, have to be done uh, based on project specific data mm -hmm. and, uh, and input, and also then a more detailed investigations to look at all parameters. Mm -hmm. So if it's going to be compared with Shell's process, for example, you would have to have to do that, I think, to be fair. It would be very difficult to do this in a general way. Then. So, but I think it's very few processes that have come that far and has this ultra high CO2 capture. Uh, so, but there are a few and uh, I think our clients need to have us uh, look at our own process, but also compare it with other processes. And uh, we are not committed to, to using Hyper Zero only, but I think it's a good, good idea to have a look at it. Mm -hmm. Well, those are definitely impressive statistics and uh, uh, sounds like there's a lot of versatility in the process. So uh, very, very interesting technology. Yeah. Um, so another question for you is that, uh, so you've studied the production and transport of blue hydrogen for the European market based on Norwegian natural gas. Um, what did the results of that study say about where the, hyd where the hydrogen should be produced um, and then how and where the CO2 should be sequestered? Yeah, we think this was a very interesting study that we initiated ourselves, you know. I hope the results are valid for other regions also. 
But uh, to go back then to this uh, situation uh, with the Norwegian natural gas, we are a big supplier of natural gas to Europe. And uh, what can be done in the future when they don't want to buy that gas anymore? They want to have a clean gas. Uh, the major challenge with hydrogen, as you, I'm sure you are aware of, is transportation and distribution, not production. Uh, the density is low and the resulting transportation cost is uh, generally high. Mm -hmm. However, uh, existing or new large diameter uh, pipelines can be used to transport hydrogen uh, or gas hydrogen mixtures efficiently at a low additional cost, typically 5 to 10% uh, of the production cost. So it's a quite efficient uh, way of transporting hydrogen, and um, and that's important for the for the, the coming years. Uh, the studies show that locating the hyd hydrogen production plant in Norway, in this case, uh, that's that was new thinking. But we started looking at this, and we found that. To place it here close to the natural gas landing point from the, from the off, offshore and close to the CO2 storage term, terminal would, would be a competitive alternative. Mm -hmm. um, the transportation of hydrogen in existing or new gas pipelines would be feasible and efficient. Our company have presented several papers and also others have uh, had, uh, published the papers at international conferences on the feasibility of gas pipelines for hydrogen or high tain gas mixtures uh, service. Um, so that's feasible. We uh, think uh, you might have to do some um, preparation and some correction uh, to the pipelines, but uh, in general, it, they can be used with minimum uh, action to be taken. Mm -hmm. The alternative uh, with locating the large hydrogen plant, and we are talking about the very large hydrogen plant uh, in this case, it would be in a range of 10 gigawatt. Uh, and to put that close to the market, in uh, Germany or Netherlands would require a long distance transportation of CO2 to the storage facility where that is going to be located. But if it was in a, nor nor in a North Sea, the transportation of 25 to 30 million tons of CO2 per year would require a new CO2 pipeline. Mm -hmm as uh, transportation by ship would be not be practical, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be a lot of shipping. Um, uh, the proposed uh, gig, multi-giga project then would uh, efficiently decarbonize Europe by 25 to 30 million tons of CO2 annually. So it's uh, large numbers. Mm -hmm. And in fact, by converting the rest of the current Norwegian gas export to Europe, uh, the decarbonization in Europe would increase uh, fivefold. 
Mm. So then we are st- talking about uh, 150 million ton of CO2 annually. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. significant. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay. So that yeah, that is very impressive. So getting back to um, blue hy- the the costs of blue hydrogen. So the as modeled in your study using the high pro zero process. Are the costs of this competitive with the cost of blue hydrogen production in other areas of Europe or in other world regions? Um, And also, do you think green hydrogen will eventually become cost competitive with blue hydrogen? Um, If so, when and what will it take to get there? Mm. Yeah, it's an important question. And uh, I, I think that major factors affecting the blue hydrogen production cost would be the cost of natural gas, of course. It's a substantial part. Or other fossil fuels could be used also. Mm-hmm. And then the cost for the CO2 transportation and storage that we just talked about, those two elements. The cost for natural gas is probably the same or lower, uh, I think, uh, in uh, other future markets or regions. Then. The cost for CO2 transportation from Europe to Norway and the storage in Norway uh, may be lower in other areas and regions. Mm-hmm. It could also be higher. It depends you know, on the availability, access to storage facilities and so on. But for example, in, in your country, in, uh, in the US, I think it's uh, plenty of opportunity for uh, storing CO2 in the uh, Gulf. Mm-hmm. So that should be uh, shorter distances than what we have looked at here. We are talking close to 1,000 kilometers or so. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but when it comes to the... Um, to the question about the green hydrogen, we, we don't work with that in our company. Of course, the application of hydrogen, we do regardless of the color of the hydrogen, mm-hmm. but we are not a specialist in that. But one has to, to see that we, we feel successful now that we have been able to, to produce a very clean uh, blue hydrogen, uh, or the production of it is very clean, mm-hmm. close to 100%. And of course, uh, today, the, the cost differential between green and blue hydrogen is very large mm-hmm. uh, in a favor of blue. And I think that uh, if it's going to be a penetration of hydrogen in the markets, it will only happen if it's affordable. And of course, then the question is, what is affordable? But at least it's a big uh, difference in cost today. Uh, and um, I, I think that uh, there are some, of course, if you're going to produce blue hydrogen, you need uh, natural gas and access to storage. But to produce uh, green hydrogen, uh, then you need um, uh, to have... Uh, clean power or electricity. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that uh, I would guess would be uh, have to be a renewable electricity there. And then you will have to fight for that 
uh, electricity, that clean electricity in competition with the electrification that is a much larger um, decarbonization uh, action to be taken. I think that it will be hard to see uh, that the price of the renewables will decrease. The cost could decrease, but I think that uh, there will be a fight for this. Uh, it will be a scarce uh, source of energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the current direct electrification, uh, you will need all what you can get of renewables uh, for that. Uh, so that is uh, maybe um, something that uh, will, uh, will still make uh, green production uh, quite expensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the uh, electricity cost is a major part of uh, the green hydrogen production cost. Mm -hmm. yeah, the rest is, of course, cool. uh, electrolyzers, and they might come down, you know, but mm -hmm. that uh, would only partially help. <laughs> right. So I don't know, but I think it's, uh, we, we don't see a fight between the two. Mm -hmm. uh, we, it's not a competition in a way. I think uh, they are different. Uh, blue hydrogen is for large volume centralized production and then distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, green hydrogen uh, will fit into decentralized uh, markets. And, uh, and then if you are in addition have very inexpensive locked in uh, renewable electricity production in the area, mm -hmm. Uh, then the green hydrogen might be very important. Interesting. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question. So for the blue hydrogen that would be produced in a project such as, um, you know, the one in your study using your process, what, what applications do you think are the most ideal for the hydrogen that's produced? Yeah, I, uh, I think in, uh, in principle, the hydrogen can be used in uh, most sectors as a tool to cut emissions. Mm -hmm. We are not doing this for fun, for, for producing hydrogen, it's to right. cut mm -hmm. emissions. Mm -hmm. and, um, or to produce clean fuels and products from industry. What seems to be the best uh, way for me uh, is to kickstart the building of the European, in this case, European gas infrastructure, and in your country, uh, the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, the repurposing or, and the expansion, expansion of the gas network in Europe then have started already, the big plans, and large volumes of uh, competitive blue hydrogen in addition to green hydrogen would be important to uh, uh, distribute hydrogen for use in all sectors. When you start to put this hydrogen into these networks, you can uh, serve whatever sector, mm -hmm. also the hard to abate uh, sectors, of course. And, but the point is that if you start sending it into these uh, uh, networks, you can pick it out again uh, and uh, purify the hydrogen, maybe, mm -hmm. and use it for uh, cars, you know, at gas stations, in mm -hmm. a way. 
filling station. So I, I think going this route, uh, it's no limit to what you could do with it and where you could use it. And that would certainly be the start of the hydrogen society. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so my last question for you. Um, <coughs> so are Ryerson New Energy and Hydrogen Memtech working on any other <laughs> technology developments or projects at the moment? Yes, we have uh, several uh, medium-sized uh, projects running and we hope for um, a couple of very large projects starting this summer. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> um, and over the clients, uh, they are large uh, players in production and transportation mm -hmm. of blue hydrogen, uh, but also some projects include them, uh, uh, hydrogen carriers and use of such as uh, fuel, fuels in land transportation and in shipping. So it's, uh, it looks uh, promising. Um, and also I would say for uh, hydrogen, hydrogen Mantec, then the subsidiary, it's taken us 10 years to develop this uh, palladium membrane technology. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have succeeded now. We have some extremely good uh, test results uh, now on this and uh, it's uh, become a very robust technology. It's uh, hard to uh, damage it. Mm -hmm. The membranes, they are super uh, thin, uh, but we have managed to, uh, to damage them many years now, mm -hmm. but we have found the way to do it, um, to put it onto the supports and so on, and it's now very robust and it has very good uh, characteristics. And we have secured the first orders uh, this, uh, this year. So, and more is coming there. So I think uh, we now have a technology that is very compact, maybe 10% of the footprint mm -hmm. uh, of uh, competing technology like the PSA, no moving parts and some other advantages. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting new addition to the technology and that's necessary in this new um, hydrogen market it needs to be clean it's need to be efficient and then it need to be some new processes mm -hmm. and technology well that's fantastic fantastic so i want to thank you torquild for sharing your insights and um all the great information about the technologies that you offer uh with our h2 tech audience that was a very insightful discussion and um good luck with everything and uh, also to our audience, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts or Blueberry.